I call this message, for a time such as this. This phrase is taken from the famous story of Queen Esther, who was facing a very difficult time, and I submit that we are living in challenging times today. And, and so she was told, it could be, Esther, that you are called into the kingdom for such a time as this. And I would submit to you, friends of the Toronto Celebration Church, friends of World Impact Ministries worldwide, that it could be, I believe it is, but let's say it could be, that you are called into the kingdom, into God's kingdom for this period of time, for now. We're living in a time of unparalleled challenges, unparalleled opportunities. And I want you to know from a pastor's point of view, and I know I speak on behalf of both Pastor Nathan and myself, that we have to make decisions during this uh, lockdown. And Ontario seems to be the, where, we, where our church is located, in case you are wondering from anywhere in the world, we seem to be the, the world champions of restrictions currently. And so as we assess this, some churches, a few, very few, have supported civil disobedience. We, we respect that. Others have taken the approach of wanting to be the very last ones to open up. But when we make decisions, it's not about what Pastor Nathan wants or what I want or what, you know, it's not about that. There are three things that we consider. One, God's will revealed through Jesus Christ. What, what do we see in the person of Jesus Christ? We always have to consider that because ultimately we are answerable to God. The second consideration that we do as pastors is what's best for the church, for the believers. One of the scripture verses that is never far from my consciousness is Acts chapter 20, verse 28, where Paul speaks to elders, to pastors, to leaders. He says, guard yourselves. Notice what he says, guard yourself. That's the first responsibility of a leader. You know, keep an eye on yourself. And then all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Remember that? You belong to Jesus. You have been purchased by the blood of Christ. That's why we never like when a pastor says, oh, this is my church. This is, these are my people. No, I say to the Toronto Celebration Church family and to our worldwide friends and family, you're not my people. You are Jesus' people. But God has made us shepherds. So I take that very serious. Then we always are mindful, number three, of society at large. What is our witness in our community? And so whatever decisions churches made, those who are in civil disobedience, those who, and of course we, we did initiated a, a lawsuit uh, to our government here because we felt the government were excessively uh, restricted towards churches. The churches were treated unfairly. Others just think we should just keep locked down as long as possible. Whatever decision you make. Consider we are a salt and a light. I'm always thinking here in the Toronto area, what is our witness in the community? Come a few months from now at Christmas, we'll want to invite our, the whole community, Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, Hindus, they are every religion living close to our doors here. And we want to, uh, we want them to feel free to come. And so these are considerations. And, and that's 
how we spiritually make decisions. Now, some of the challenges, let me go through them very quickly. And, and as you can see, sometimes on the bottom, it says that you can get the full version of this. I don't have time online to go over the things. Some of my most controversial parts of this sermon, you're not going to hear today, but you're going to hear enough to keep you interested. And one of the challenges we have has simply been the government lockdowns of Sunday church. That's right. They have said we can't meet in church. Why is that a problem? Well, for several reasons. One, psychologist tells us, it takes two and a half months to form a habit, good or bad. It takes 21 days to break a habit. We have had 16 months for people who had a good habit. Some of them, they don't even know why they had the habit. Others had it by conviction that on Sunday, on the first day of the week, I gather with other believers and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we have had 16 months of breaking that very good habit. We, we can't just ignore that. Say it'll work itself out. Now, there's something positive. New people have come online. We see here at the Toronto Celebration Church every Sunday that we have had opening and we're opening more and more. We see brand new people who had never been to our physical location before, but they watched online. So that's a good thing. But there's a negative side. Some people are filled with anxiety. Some feel isolated. Some people change their priorities. This has caused something good. You know, in my whole life as a church member, I have never heard a preacher talk about why we should go to church on Sundays, why we should meet together. Now, I have heard myself talk about it. I preached about it several times, maybe once every four or five years, a powerful message on the power of the assembly. It's powerful to be the body of Christ, but to be an assembly is something powerful. And then just a month ago, I heard Pastor Nathan Thurber, and I tell you, you can clap at home a little bit for him. He preached such a masterpiece on, on this. And then I just, you can probably find it here on our websites for the Toronto Celebration Church. What a great message. And so that's a good thing. We, we, we know why we get together. There's power in coming together, but, but it's a problem. The church's, Christianity's credibility is in question like never before. You know, there's been a trickle through several decades of, in the newspapers of, of sexual abuse of children. I'm talking about specifically about our Roman Catholic friends. And uh, of course it happens everywhere, but it's, it's been more consecrated there, con concentrated. And it's a terrible thing. It's a shame, children being abused. Now, here in our nation, and it's a worldwide news story. We, we heard the news five, six weeks ago of 251 unmarked graves just beside a residential school that had been run by the uh, Catholic order. Then another news story, 751, and the 102 unmarked graves. And it, no doubt it's going to keep growing. And in fact, this is not any news, really. We knew this six years ago when the Truth and Reconciliation um, came out with their report. And so we, we knew about the unmarked grave, but suddenly it's, now it seems like it was just discovered. It's been there, but people didn't pay attention. And, and, and my point is, because many think people, we know that many children died of tuberculosis, other diseases, and they were excessively rampant in these residential schools, but there was also sexual abuse. There was also 
terrible stories coming out. No matter, I'm not arguing for or against that there are nuances and, 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 and we hear some of our Catholic friends, they're sharing their perspective and, and, and bottom line is this, this affects us. As far as society's perception, the church is at fault. Christianity is at fault. Some of you may come from a Roman Catholic background and you, you love the Roman Catholic background. Others come from a background that decidedly was more anti-Catholic. But whatever, that's not my point. My point is, this is a reality of the world we live in. And we are thinking deeply about that. And I believe that this ministry, the Toronto Celebration Church and World Impact Ministries, we are so blessed because our emphasis all along, not to adjust to the current news, our emphasis has been to present and defend God's love through Jesus Christ for everyone versus defending Christianity as an institution. Because, because those who are focused on Christianity as an institution, I, I submit that they have some problem. And I'm so glad that our emphasis has never been to convert people to religion or to a religious institution, but conversion to faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, my friends around the world, you know, you hear me in our gospel campaigns. I tell people in the Muslim world, Buddhist world, Hindu world, I say to them, we are not here to, to, to get you to convert from one religion to another. Because we believe everyone, those who call themselves Christians or those who call themselves atheists, those who call themselves any other world religion by name, everyone needs to be converted to Jesus Christ. This is a problem. And I think we are beautifully positioned. I don't say this in a haughty way, but I say this gratefully. I think we are positioned for our greatest days yet to come. Another problem we face today, and, and again, you're going to have to, it's an unprecedented unity. You're going to have to go to the website. You see an announcement from the bottom of the screen from time to time there. Uh, if you want to get the full version, this way it's going to get controversial. But, uh, you know, Christians used to have, maybe they look at the Bible and say, well, I think this verse means this. And another one says, I think this verse means that. And, and they, they go, but no, we are, this you, vaccine. Some churches have turned their auditoriums into vaccination centers. Others say it's from the Antichrist. <laughs> oh, you got to get the full version. That, that was a, people, just a few months ago, it was like Christians who are pro-Trump and anti-Trump. It reminds me of 20 years ago, at, at the end of the last uh, century, the Y2K bug. You know, friends, this concerns me that these things get people passionate. Friends, I say, we sail above that. I don't have time to get into that other than as a warning. All these debates, you may like Trump or you may be against Trump and, and you may like vaccines and you may have questions about the medical viability and you and all that, but don't bring the Antichrist into it. I'm saying, that's, this is the, why are we passionate about this? And many other such frivolous matters. Our job as a church is to maintain the victory that Jesus Christ has purchased for us personally and to let society discover that victory. Our job is to work with Jesus Christ until all his enemies are put under his feet. Our job is to bring every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Our job is to influence the world in the same way uh, civil disobedience or not civil disobedience. 
Christians are fighting about this today. Again, tune into that message because I, I do a big thing there. You'll be amazed what I have to say about that. You may be mad. You may be glad at what you hear me say, but tune into me. I, I, I think the real problem, rather than the outward things, is something inward. There is a defeatism. The enemy has a strategy to lobotomize the church. You know, lobotomy was a, was a kind of a medical operation that for years was allowed. Gratefully today is disallowed, where someone who seemed to be an aggressive personality or someone who people, doctors couldn't control, they would use a very tiny drill and dry, drill a hole in their skull into the brain to cause the brain activity to be dulled. It, 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 it took away the vitality, the energy, made the person dull and docile and insecure and unwilling to take action, unwilling to take uh, responsibility. And I believe that is what the enemy of the church wants. Wants a docile, non-energetic, laid back, unwilling to rise up and take responsibility type of a church that's just a, a mere institution, a, a shell of the church that we see in the book of Acts. And so God is calling us to rise up. In a moment, I'm going to give you the scripture that God gave me prophetically to speak into your life. You know, let, let me give you a quote from a famous uh, um, writer. He says, George Bernard, Bernard Shaw said, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So I want to ask you, and then he says, therefore all progress depends on the unreasonable man. And I would add today, all regress also depends on the unreasonable man. But what he's saying here is, there is an attitude that says, you know, I just want to fit in. At any cost, I want to fit in. I want to make sure I don't stand out in any way. I want to make sure that I'm not a light in this world in any way. I just want to fit in. Never want to protest anything. But that never changes history. So I submit our mission is to adapt the world to the loving purpose of Jesus Christ. We're saying world. You've gone in the wrong direction. Come back. Adapt yourself to, 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 to the fact that you are unconditionally loved. That Jesus Christ is not for the Christian religion. He's for every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl. And some people will say, well, that's unreasonable. Well, in that sense, in the definition by George Bernard Shaw, I want to say, Peter Youngren, I want to be unreasonable. I don't want to fit in with everything. I don't want to just be a, a, like a, a yes person who just kind of is on autopilot nodding my head. Yes, yes, I agree with whatever. No, the church of Jesus Christ is called to be a salt and a light to open people's eyes to that God's love is for them and, and to reject distractions. That's why there's so many distractions coming from stupid, foolish preachers who try to get you off on some tangent and get you all passionate about things that are not even in Scripture. Now, now we reject this, this spineless, 
attitude where the motive is to just fit in at any cost. Now we are, we're world changers. We're history makers. Rise up, church. Let the church be the church. <laughs> I, I, bet I have so much more about this, and so I tell you again, you've got to get the whole message because I, there are things I, I need to say prophetically, and I just know within the confines of the online service, it, it, it just... I, I don't want to give just a little bit. I want to give everything that God put in my heart. So tune to that. But I want to try to summarize this prophetic word. I ask God, give me a word for the church, for your people right now. And in my spirit, this came. Paul was in an adverse situation. A lot of things against the church. A lot of adversity. And um, in fact... It says, after he gave this speech, from which I'm going to give you an excerpt in a moment, it says the people cried. They realized that there were some challenging waters to navigate. But let me take these four or five verses. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. He says, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And then I drop down to verse 32. I want to include that as well. He finishes by saying, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. You see, faith never stands still. Faith is always in motion. We're going somewhere. We are taking new territory for the gospel. Paul says, I go bound in the spirit. Here's an interesting scripture from the book of Proverbs about the human spirit. It says, the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord searching all the inner depths of the heart. You see, your spirit person is your deepest part. It's where the Holy Spirit lives. It's where the light of God resides. It's, you could say your spirit person is the seat of the new life. It's where there's conviction, purpose, where God's call comes to you. And, and so some people... Are, are very soulish. It means that they are uh, operating just by their emotions or by the uh, flimsiness of their will that changes with the wind. But you see, a person who is bound in spirit is not easily swayed. Doesn't look for greener grass somewhere else. And, 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 and so, for example, when life's troubles come to us, it's so easy to be caught up in our soul, to be emotional about it, but to be bound in the spirit. I speak to some of you, life's troubles have come up against you. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you face uncertainty in your career. Maybe some other mishap, something you didn't expect to happen. And you feel like, I, I don't know, I don't know what to believe in anymore. I don't know what to hold on to. Paul says, I go bound in my spirit, 
connect with the deepest part of you, what God's spirit is. You, you know, this is how I feel about the church. Some people, they always say, oh, I, I, you know, the Lord is releasing me. Now I'm going to that church. And two months later, they're back at the first church. And they say, oh, I'm back here again. And they get bound in the spirit. Get, get, forget the, about the whims and the wishes and, and things that come and go. Get bound in the spirit. Get bound to, to your assignment. I'm so glad now for more decades than I care to tell. We have not wavered. We are bound in the spirit to our assignment, the gospel to every person, rather than being tossed in our soul. You know, you can be bound to traditions. You can be bound to your emotions. You can be bound to people's opinions. But to be bound in spirit, God's calling us to that. Then Paul says, I don't know everything. <laughs> you would have thought the great apostle Paul would have known everything. He says, I don't know everything. Same principle in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed and he went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't know everything. Can you see old father Abraham loading his camels and people are asking him, well, what are you doing? Where are you going? And he says, I, I have a calling. God's promised me an inheritance. So I know some things, but... But I don't know exactly. I don't know. But, but maybe Abraham could have said, and we can say, disobedience for sure brings trouble. So I don't mean that we are ignoramuses in that sense, but we don't know everything. We know our source. We know our assignment. But we don't know every detail. L let me give you this shocking statement. You know, Jesus Christ, you know the mighty Jesus he refused to answer many questions. In fact, in the scripture, if you count it all up, and you know, some of them may be in the gospels, it's the same questions, but there's 183 incidents of questions. And there's only three times that Jesus gives a direct answer. Sometimes he answers by telling a parable, or sometimes he answers by, by, by a question. He answers the questions with a question. So if the mighty Jesus himself didn't have this, I need to just tell people everything. No, most questions he didn't answer. You know, there are pastors and false prophets who, who behave as if they knew everything. And sometimes people, they seek for guidance and, and preacher makes up a word. <laughs> you know, just comes up with something. Usually just some imaginary thing. Friends, you don't know, need to know everything. I don't know everything. I don't know how everything is going to end up. I don't know everything that's going to happen a year from now. But I know in whom I have believed. And I know that a person of faith moves forward. And I know it's a blessing to not know everything. Because that's where Ephesians chapter 3 kicks in. Where, where God says that he's able to do exceeding and abundantly about what we ask or think. So God can work beyond my knowledge. So I keep going forward. I know some things. I, I, I know what's revealed in the Holy Scriptures. I know, uh, I know something, but I don't know every detail. But God says, I'm able to do more than you can ask or think. Oh, here's another part of what Paul tells us. He says, the Holy Spirit is testifying. Not necessarily earth-shattering revelations, but a still small voice, a witness in our spirit urging us to, 
to witness, to share, to love someone, to give. You know, the, the Spirit bears witness that, that, that gives testimony to the world uh, to believe on Jesus, that Jesus is our righteousness. You've heard me preach from John 16 all about that. The Spirit spoke to, to Peter to go to the house of Cornelius. He says, the Spirit bade me go. And that's what I'm feeling. I feel the Spirit is testifying. Can you feel it? The Holy Spirit is testifying where you are, saying, go forward. I feel that about the Toronto Celebration Church. I, I, I feel like the Spirit is saying to me, this, this is your best moment. These are great times. Yes, some people may not survive, but we want to help them. But, but I, I believe God is saying for our church, which is raised up by God, our best days are ahead. Paul says, none of these things move me. You know, this is the key to a strong Christian life. This is the key to, to leadership, I would submit, to be unmoved by all the external happenings and the ups and downs and the winds of doctrine and finances going really good and then going down bad and opinions and people think you're doing great and otherwise they don't think you're so great. Failures, successes, people's opinions. People will tell you, oh, God told me this and God told me that. Some of those people, they change so fast you can't keep up with them. Paul says, None of those things move me. And he would say in this lockdown pandemic, he would say, I'm not moved. We're going forward. And he says that I may finish my race. Start is important, finish more important. You know, Jesus gives us the key to be able to finish. He says in John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus saying food means sustenance, nourishment. My strength comes from doing the will of my Father and then an inner resolve, determination to finish. You know, every one of us have reasons to quit. Moses could have quit. He was disappointed with much, including himself. David failed. Simon Peter had personal failures. Paul had disappointment. Every person has a seemingly justifiable reason to quit. But quitting drains us. The moment you allow that thought to come, maybe I should quit. You can feel the energy being drained out of you. Well, Jesus is saying, my food, my strength is to finish. I'm never going to stop from my, my focus to finish. You see, when you see yourself as a marathon runner that's run those 40 plus kilometers and you have faced the uphills and the downhills and then you come into the stadium and your head is lifted high, your arms are raised and in the stadium there's a cloud of witnesses clapping and rejoicing and you feel that surge take you across the finish line. That's what the Apostle Paul is describing. That's you. And he says that I may finish my race with joy. Hmm. You know, we're not sour pusses sitting around saying, oh, poor us. It's been so tough. You know, everybody tells me during this, uh, these lockdowns, how, how are you doing? How is the ministry? They, they, they're like expecting the, the worst. No, we, we don't like what's going on, but we got joy and we see opportunities. 
We are reaching millions, many millions in unreached people groups. We're going to be joyous. And then Paul says, it's the ministry from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Oh, that's a mouthful. I, I don't want to even dissect that. But just to say, I want to finish my assignment. Don't let somebody else take your assignment. I say that to the Toronto Celebration Church. I say it to my friends around the world from, from far, the other side of Indonesia, all the way to Australia and go around everybody in between. Don't let someone else take your assignment. You remember what, go back to Queen Esther. Mordecai said to her, you know, maybe you don't want to accept the challenge, but you know, God's going to do his purpose. God's going to do what he's going to do. And if you don't want to take the challenge, God will raise somebody else up. But you have the chance to take the torch and run with it. We have a mandate to prosper, to influence the world, to share God's grace to the whole wild world. Oh, everybody. And we're doing it. And you, you're there with us. We, we're workers together. Then he says, I got to get to this. And remember again, please get the entire full version of this because uh, I had many prophetic and somewhat controversial things to say, but I couldn't get it all in. But get this. Paul finishes by saying, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. These are two immutables. God's, I commend you to God. That means God's nature. God is love. God is life. God is light. I commend you to God. Something that is immutable. God's nature. And then I commend you to God's grace. God's unmerited favor. That this is for whosoever. Everyone is welcomed. Everyone is invited. This is, this is not narrow. You know, the, the way of religion can be very narrow, but we are on a highway of the grace of God. Whosoever will, let him come. So as we look at these situations, what can we say? Well, just four simple words. Lord, I am am available. Like Isaiah said, Lord, here am I. Send me. I'm willing to go. I'm available. Church, I have no illusions of everything is just going to work itself out. No, there are profound changes coming and we will notice it as this decades keep unfolding. But I believe for the church of Jesus Christ, for you, and I speak to the Toronto Celebration Church family. I speak to all of our friends in the World Impact uh, family around the world. Lord, I'm available. And he will flow through you powerful.